the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, Hour 2 on this fine Monday. I hope you had a great weekend. It was Father's Day. I had a great Father's Day. Not going to lie. I had a great Father's Day. For me, Father's Day is always good. Usually, I just want a nap. If I can get a nap, that's good. I didn't get a nap this time, but I had a great Father's Day, great time all day with the family, with my kids and my wife. And uh, we actually, we we went to uh, Magic Mountain. And I learned, I learned why my parents uh, hated going to Magic Mountain when they were my age with uh, with us when we were younger. Um, but you know what? I expected it to be really crowded because it was Father's Day and it was not at all crowded. And uh, we got on a few things. We weren't there for very long, but we just had an opportunity to go and we did that. We had a great time. So I hope you had a good Father's Day. I'll tell you what, though, as a dad, and I think about the world that my kids are growing up in. And I ask him about it sometimes. You know, the 11-year-old John, he's not too quite sure. You know, as long as there's video games, I think he'll, he'll be happy. So he says, James, though, he's 14 and going on 25, and he is very well aware of things. And we, he asked me about the national debt. And I talked to him about it a little bit. I said, you know, your generation is going to have to fix it. <laughs> you know, it's a terrible thing to say because we all need to be on there. And he goes, my generation? He goes, my generation, when we elect a president, they're going to be in a crop top and fuzzy ears, and, and they're going to think they're a bear. And I thought, well, that might be the direction we're going. But hopefully that's not right. I laughed out loud that that was his, his comment on this. But we are in a, in a place of tremendous challenges, and we're going to talk about this. State Senator Scott Wilk actually warned parents to leave California last week. In recent years, we have put government bureaucrats between parents, children, and doctors when it comes to medical care. And now we have this, where if a parent does not support the ideology of the government, they're going to be taken away from the home. Now, I agree with both Senator Weiner and Senator Laird that today it only involves divorce proceedings. And frankly, a judge can already factor, factor this in. But I can assure you it's not going to end with divorce proceedings. In the past, when we've had these discussions, and I've seen parental rights atrophied, I've encouraged people to keep fighting. I've changed my mind on that. If you love your children, you need to flee California. You need to flee. That's quite a statement from State Senator Scott Wilk, who is talking about some different pieces of legislation that are going through our state house right now. And I want to bring you up to speed with it. With me to talk about it is Jennifer Kennedy. She is an attorney who is often uh, present for these hearings. And there are some important things to know about if you're a parent, grandparent, or just a resident here in California. I don't recommend that you flee. I, I recommend that we we fight it out and we stand up together, not Democrats and against Republicans, but parents and people who love kids. Jennifer, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you. It's always good to be with you. And I agree with you. It's time we have to rise and fight because if we don't, then we know California's craziness infects the rest of the nation. And why should we have to flee? 
right? This is right. our beautiful state. These are our families, and we have rights, and we need to defend them. You know, you said you said the word crazy, and I always that's the word that comes to my mind all the time. And I admit I overuse crazy, you know. But um, when we're talking about and and. The reason you're here is to help our audience go through not just what they can do. We'll talk to you about that in a second, but to realize how serious this is, that when we have a conversation and people are talking about if you do not agree with the government's ideology, the local state government, Sacramento, their ideology about kids and how you should take care of your kids, then they are making laws right now that would give the government the authority to take your kids away. Is That, that sounds crazy. But that's correct. It's not crazy. That's exactly what's happening. And in fact, the quote we just heard from Senator Scott Wilk, I was in that room when he made that. That was last week's hearing of AB 957. And AB 957 is the bill put forth by Assemblywoman Lori Wilson. And in fact, it's not even just the state's opinion of what we should do. It's Lori Wilson's opinion of how we should parent our children. She is the parent of a trans child. For her, affirmation of this child gender transition worked for her family. Well, her law is going to make every family in the state of California follow her model, which is forced affirmation of child gender transition or lose your child, lose custody. I actually have her words on that right here. So this particular bill adds the very important factor that affirming a child's gender identity is in their best interest, which is what your question is about. Why does it get why does it actually say that in an affirmative way? And it really is because if you have a seven year old who's who's talking about having a potential to say I being able to articulate that they believe that they are not the same gender um, as they are biologically, then it should be affirmed and through care. It should be determined. And that's what we did with our own child. And that would give the ability for a parent who wasn't sure to affirm and get their child the care that they need to make that so they can begin to articulate that determination. But by saying and rejecting it in wholesale, then you're essentially rejecting your child. And that is not in the best interest of a child. We should be affirming our children in every possible way and getting them whatever appropriate care they need, whether it's based on their gender, whether it's based on how their um, studies are in school, it doesn't matter. Our children should be affirmed. And this is saying that you have to include gender affirmation as a part of that. She's talking about a seven-year-old and that if your seven-year-old says, in this case, I want to change my gender or I want to use these pronouns or I want to do all this, but it could be applied to anything. A seven-year-old might say, you have to listen or else you're a bad parent. That's right. And in fact, that quote we just heard, that was from her the hearing in the Assembly Judiciary before it passed off the Assembly floor. The bill has now been amended and it's even worse. She was talking about the judges using affirmation as just a factor mm. in what they consider. Now they've elevated affirmation to the same status as health, safety, and welfare of the child, that that is an equal part of the health, safety, and welfare. And those are three buzzwords that we use in other codes that talk about, is a child safe or not? Should a parent be charged with abuse because their child is unsafe? And even without a law like this, we've seen this happen. Yeah, you're listening to Pastor Scott's show. My guest is Jennifer Kennedy. We're talking about laws that affect your kids and affect your parenting right now in Sacramento. This is AB 957, if people are taking notes. AB 957. This bill in particular has to do more with divorce proceedings and how the judge would side against parents who are fighting over custody. 
Is that correct? That's but, correct. In fact, it's an yeah. instruction to the judge right. on how he is supposed to rule and favor that affirming parent. So if the if one parent says, I want to transition my kid, and the other parent says, I don't, the judge is now being, if this law passes, the judge will have no choice but to side with the parent who wants to transition a kid. That's exactly correct. The judge's hands will be tied and judicial discretion will be invaded, right? right. Judges are supposed to have the discretion to look at the unique facts of the unique family in front of them and put all factors together and make a decision. This tells the judge you must favor the affirming parent and the other parent is always going to lose. Now, You might be listening and saying, well, we're not getting divorced. We're not having a custody battle. This isn't for me. But there's another bill that takes the cue from this one. And what happens in law, right, is that you have – and forgive me because I flunked out of law school. But uh, (laughs) I do – I was pretty close. You know, know, I'm pretty sure that I did learn that, you know, you have precedent and you have one way of thinking in this section of law will be referred to then by other justices and and – and court cases as the direction that society is going into. Yes. In fact, what you'll see is this is incremental legislation. This is what they are known for, our supermajority. They put something tiny in somewhere and then they move it and it infects the rest of the codes. So you'll see this show up in the family code and it'll only affect that small number of parents who are in custody disputes. But pretty soon they're going to lift that language and put affirmation in, say, in the penal code or in the medical code for doctors' behaviors about directing that in the state of California, affirmation is the only way to go, which, of course, we know is absolutely wrong. That's right. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is uh, it's Jennifer, Jennifer Kennedy. Kennedy. You know, <laughs> I've had a bunch of guests on today. So you have. You know, you're in the room. Jennifer Kennedy. And if you want to call in, if you have a question, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. So let's talk about another bill. And the reason that we're bringing this to your attention is there is something that you can do about it. Okay, you've heard that Jennifer has actually been in the room with some of the quotes that we've had here. And Jennifer, are you becoming that person that walks into the room and people go, oh, no, she's here again? I I would like to think so. I would like the senators to look up and go, oh, for God's sake. She's she's, oh, (laughs) not her again. Yeah. But the the thing is, people should be encouraged. You're not alone when you walk into this room. No. And in fact, at that hearing that we heard Scott Wilk at, we had hundreds. the, The gallery was packed. It was so full, in fact, that they had to ration people in and out of the room. We had hundreds of people there, people waiting in the hallway, and we had hundreds of people on on the phone lines for what we call Me Too testimony. Because in these hearings, they only give you two minutes. They give you two witnesses and two minutes per side. Literally four minutes of discussion in what is supposed to be a hearing. After that in-person discussion, then everyone in the gallery gets to get up and stand in person and walk up to the mic, and you just say, Jennifer Kennedy, I oppose. That's it. It's called Me Too. And then they go to the phones, and you say the same thing. And that way you can get in lots and lots and lots of testimony. And on that day, it was overwhelmingly opposed to AB 957, and then we sat there and watched them pass it. Now, when we're talking about people who are coming to this meeting, it's not just uh, Republicans, or is it maybe who's there, like people on the right? Because we have our, our legislature in California is overwhelmingly Democrat. And you know, when you have one party rule, you're going to have multiple problems. I imagine there's multiple problems in some other states that are the other party. Okay, But here, 
this is an issue for parents. This is an issue that parents are waking up to, I think, in part because of the protests that we're seeing at the schools as we're beginning to see that the accusations or the comments about the books that we're seeing in schools and the the agendas, the ideology that's being pushed, it's not crazy people saying, hey, this is wrong. People are realizing, hey, my rights as a parent, my children are in jeopardy because of this. That's exactly right. And it's not red or blue. I have plenty of uh, people in this fight who are lifelong Democrats. But when you come for our children, it does not matter what political party you belong to. You're going to fight for your kids. One of the attorneys I work with, Erin Friday, is a lifelong Democrat. And she has said, my party has left me on this issue, and that's specific to the trans ideology and fighting back against these bills that are pushing the trans ideology and this gender notion uh, onto families and kids. And it's very effective when the Democrats come up to the mic and say, I'm a lifelong Democrat and I oppose this bill. Yeah, and I think that matters a lot because I think that we are in trouble a lot in our country because we just take sides from a partisan standpoint and not a right versus wrong standpoint. And here we have something that clearly is wrong that is an agenda that's being driven by a small number of people that isn't really even in favor of of kids who are dealing with trans issues and stuff. A seven-year-old, you you are not supporting a seven-year-old by letting that seven-year-old determine their course of care. No. And in fact, we see it in as young as uh, children who are three and five. Two of our witnesses that day against AB 957 were fathers where their ex-spouse or ex-girlfriend was transing their sons into little girls at age three and five. And even without this law in place... The judges are already affirming. They're already going along with the affirming parent. It's hard enough. That's where we are in California. So the other bill I've mentioned is AB 665. And this goes beyond a, excuse me, a divorce custody battle, doesn't it? Yes, this is going to affect all parents and all kids. It'll have the possibility of affecting really every family in the state of California. This one is extremely complex. It has lots of moving parts intentionally confusing to the lay people, but I have spent hundreds of hours breaking it down. And this is what it does. It does two things that people need to be aware of. Don't listen to the spin. We'll talk about what the spin is and what they say it's doing. Okay. But AB 665 is doing two things. Number one, we call it state-sanctioned kidnapping for a reason. It's going to allow a random third-party adult to take your child and check your child into a residential shelter. Now, that's the kind of thing when we say that. And I want people to hear this because, you know, on this show, we don't we don't go down the lines of the the, you know, the hyperbole that's used so often. State sponsored kidnapping. You're like, come on, Scott. What do you mean? But when I read this and you can go online, and read it. I thought, what what does keep the state from taking my kid if I disagree? So let's talk about that. And, and the reason it's being called uh, state-sponsored kidnapping. Okay, and to, to back up what this yeah. bill does, it is expanding minor consent to mental health care. That's what it thinks it's doing. And specifically, it's saying that it's expanding um, consent, minor consent for mental health care, with, and this means without parental notice or right. consent, to low-income kids, kids who have only Medi-Cal. 
Okay, that's the weeds of this because it has to do with something to do with Medi-Cal and insurance funding. But that is a smokescreen. And the language of the bill as it is, the bill is not meant to be a standalone law. It's actually going into existing law and amending an existing old statute from 1979. And that statute says that minors cannot consent to counseling or to residential shelter going into a group home unless there's danger posed to that child. Like physical danger. Two kinds. Uh, yeah. Suicidal ide- ideation. Mm-hmm. They're suicidal or they're, uh, you know, they're, they're going to cause harm to themselves or to others, or they face danger at home, like abuse or incest. And in that specific situation, we call those the danger guardrails of that family code. With those danger guardrails, you're, they're going to let a minor consent to either counseling or going into a residential shelter. One of the things I read in that bill is it's talking about aligning, you know, existing other bills. Okay, like you said, it's it's changing the laws. It said this that this bill would take the other laws and require that the professional person treating or counseling the minor to consult with the minor that this person has to consult with the minor before determining whether involvement of the minor's parent or guardian would be inappropriate. When I read that, I'm thinking, so I have to say, if I'm a psychologist or a pediatrician, I'm supposed to say to a five-year-old, would it be okay if I tell mommy about this? Yes, and you know what it really looks like? Think of the school context. Okay, this is a, this in these bills, it's 12 and older. So thankfully, it's not going to be a five-year-old. Okay, 12, yeah. 12 and older. And, and again, for 12, now. 12, exactly for now. This bill seeks to basically emancipate all 12-year-olds in the state of California to remove themselves from their home and check themselves into a residential facility or to work with, again, some random adult who is considered a professional person, such as a counselor or a social worker or according to this bill, could be the lady at the front desk of the residential shelter, to collude with that person to leave the custody of their parents and go into a residential shelter. And when you say that part about the professional person consulting with the minor about mm-hmm. whether it's appropriate to let the parents in, right? that already exists in, in state right. law. That already exists. Here's what they think they're aligning. There's a newer code, health and safety code, and that's the one I call just because counseling. And that allows minors 12 and older just because, not because of danger, just because they want some counseling. It allows them to consent to counseling without parental notice. The end. Yeah. And that's just because that they say they're going to align that statute of just because no danger counseling with the older law that has those danger guardrails. Right. But here's the trick of what they're doing. They're going into that older law and they're stripping out those guardrails. They are erasing 45 years of protections for parents to not have their child taken from them for literally no good reason. That's That's what's happening. And they will not acknowledge that that's what they're doing. You know, as a pastor all these years, my guest, by the way, is Jennifer Kennedy. And we're talking about laws in California that are being written that would allow your your 12-year-old, you know, to determine their their treatment and even be determined whether or not they should be taken away into state housing because they don't like how you're raising them or they don't agree or you don't agree with the government's philosophy on issues such as uh, trans or abortion or many other things that could be included in that. You know, when I'm dealing with parents who have a child who is a little bit rebellious for whatever the reason, kids who run away, you know, I'm not, and they'll pack stuff and they'll be gone. Sometimes they're, sometimes they're gone for days, right? Sometimes it's a terrible situation. Sometimes they're just gone a couple of hours, right? 
Um, but I know kids who have said the wrong thing to counselors because they're mad at mom and dad. That's right. And found themselves in a situation where they might be taken away just because they they were mad about something. They were mad because they were restricted in video games or something else, and they went to the counselor, and they and they did not realize the legal problem they just created for their parents. That's Scott, you hit it right yeah. on the head. That's exactly what this looks like. They wave the rainbow flag over this. They talk about LGBT youth needing to go and get special. But this is every child, and it's the willful teen. You you tell them you can't have apps on your phone. You find the TikTok and the Snapchat and the Discord on their phone. You have a big fight. You talk about consequences. Mm. You take that phone. And that child is mad and angry, and they go to the counselor And the counselor says, hey, you want to cool off for the weekend? Maybe go to this residential shelter. Mm -hmm. And the kid says, yes. And that child is gone, doesn't come home. You don't know where the child is and no one is telling you. And then the question arises, is law enforcement going to help you look for that child? We don't know. Big question. Well, they probably won't if it's legal. That's right. right. And also, speaking of not understanding the system you, as a child, are putting yourself into, talk about no informed consent. You don't know if you've just said the wrong things that are going to trigger an investigation of your parents. And suddenly you have CPS and the police uh, at, at your front door asking you about your parenting. And this has already happened. So this is there are many stories of this that has already happened even before these bills. So we'll talk about that uh, when we get back a little bit. My guest is Jennifer Kennedy. We're talking about your kids and your grandkids and this state and why you need to pay attention. And there is something that you can do. So we'll give you that information. I want you to hang on through the break. Something you can do, I think, as early as tomorrow. Is that right? Definitely. As Some, early as today, Scott. Okay. Very, something very simple that you can do. We'll also take your phone calls. If you have questions or you want some clarification, please call us, 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. My daughter was taken from her loving home because the state of California claimed I was abusive uh, for not affirming her trans identity. I lost my daughter over a name and a pronoun. Even after, after I, prom- I promised to call her a male name, it wasn't enough. My daughter was not a boy trapped in a girl's body. She had mental health issues. Against my consent, my daughter was given testosterone instead of therapy. The LGBTQ group used her to pro- to raise money for for them. Look at the poor reject trans boy. They said that is Abigail Martinez, who was giving her testimony this weekend in Sacramento against bills that are designed to let the state take your kids and take um, they they're designed to remove your parental authority on all kinds of issues including the trans issues and her story is one where at the end of it once her daughter turned 18 and started transitioning she took her own life 
And it's a terrible story. And we're talking about this today. I'm with Jennifer Kennedy, who is here with me in the studio. We're talking about this because this isn't a one-off. This isn't just one thing. And the bills that are being written and ready to pass in Sacramento right now will expand the state's authority to take your kids, if your kids decide after the age of 12 at this point, that they don't like what you are saying. Isn't that right? What we see is the age of 12 appears to be the end of California parents' uh, you know, control over their child, at least if you leave it up to the legislature right now. They want to emancipate 12-year-olds to make these decisions about their gender, about their where they're going to stay for the weekend, like in residential mm-hmm. shelter. And what's interesting, poor Abigail Martinez, her heartbreaking story, that happened in 2019, That was years ago now, and it was already happening. And in that case, they were demanding that she affirm this gender identity of her daughter and telling her that she was going to be charged, she was charged with emotional abuse for not affirming her. And then the state did affirm her daughter and didn't give her mental health treatment, and that killed her. It's one of the things that, you know, it often gets said that, and and I want people to hear, too, that this isn't just about your child's, you know, gender dysphoria or trans issues. It can be all kinds of different, completely unrelated things that a child might tell a counselor. And that's why I don't want you to tune out if you're like, well, my kid's not dealing with that. Number one, you may not even know because the they're not allowed to tell you after they're 12. The schools are headed that way. The doctors are headed that way. But also, you know, part of the idea of we hear we hear the genocide is happening of trans people. And I looked that up, you know, how many people are really killed? It's it's two in the last couple of years or the Human Rights Campaign, which is a far left organization. They could only get that number up to 35. And it's not that it doesn't matter that those people might have lost their lives because somebody decided to attack them. But it's actually very rare. What we're talking about is the suicide and the suicide ideation. And the idea is that your pediatrician may tell you that, hey, if you don't transition your kid, would you rather have a dead son or a live daughter? That's the pressure. Right. That's the old. Uh... And that's that's out there. It's And that's what's being said in this argument. But there were very few studies. But the studies that are coming out are saying that the tran- the the suicide ideation is worse than it was in the beginning after a few years. Yes. As a matter of fact, when you look at when we look at minors consenting to mental health care on their own, for example, mm. back in 2010, they they expanded the ability of minors to consent on their own, just for any reason, without parental consent or knowledge. And the idea floated at that time was that it was going to prevent suicide. But that's not true. And in fact, suicides, youth suicides in California have gone up. So when you when we've removed the parents from the equation, the result has been worse. Why are they doubling down on this in Sacramento? Why are they now looking to expand it even more and take away those danger guardrails we talked about? Well, that's a good, great question. Why? Why 12? Why is that the age? Why not 16? You know, why? Why 12? Well, I want to say your listeners might be very surprised to hear that 12 is the age for so many things. In fact, what I'm finding when educating people about these current bills, a lot of parents don't realize what kids may already consent to in California. I didn't California. realize it until my kids check up on their after their 12th birthday and the pediatrician took us out of the room to say, you no longer have a right to their their files unless the kid wants to give it to you. That's exactly right. Stunned. Or or when they say, Dad, would you like to step out of the room now? Yeah, I, I, uh, I had like, no oh, idea no. that was a thing until mm-hmm. my oldest, just two years ago, became 
12. Mm-hmm. You Parents need to be aware of that, actually, and probably get some HIPAA releases from their children so that they can uh, stay on those medical files, right? Even from their tiny children. Kids can already uh, consent to pregnancy treatment, abortion, contraception, sexual assault services, etc. They can consent to all kinds of emergency medical things. They can consent to sexually transmitted disease and prevention, which includes those vaccines for Hep B and HPV. They Kids 12 and older can consent to a host of things, and still it's not enough. And that's why 665 is really this true emancipation of 12-year-olds to now leave their parents' custody. If you leave your home physically and you go into a residential shelter, a government-run, government-funded shelter, you're really a ward You are a de facto Mm. ward of the state because, again, who's taking liability? Who's got liability for you? You would either have to go back to your parents or into foster care, I would imagine. Well, that's the thing. And the, the question here is, how does a parent extract their child? Who, is, who has now checked him or herself into that facility. There's no allegation of wrongdoing. Parent hasn't done anything wrong. There's no abuse claims at all. And yet, your child has been allowed to check him or herself into this place. How do you get the child back? And why are you suddenly having, now you're guilty until proven innocent? Somehow you, you're in the position mm. of having to justify why yeah. your child needs to come home? I- All right. So there is a fight going on. You're a big part of that. There's lots of people a part of that. And everybody listening can be a part of that. So how do we do it? Absolutely. At at this point, what do we do now? I'll tell you what we do now. Tomorrow, the 20th, is a hearing of AB 665 up in Sacramento at 1.30. It's being heard in the Senate Judiciary Committee. And that's who just passed AB 957, which we just heard the quote from Senator Scott Wilk. So the Judiciary Committee of 11 people is going to hear this at 1.30. So you need to call. I recommend that you call the committee members. And there's 10 that you can reach because one of them is Scott Weiner, the co-author, and he's not reachable on and this issue. And people can look it up to, to <laughs> they look can. up Senate Judiciary Committee, State yes, Senate. Yes, State Senate Judiciary Committee. And you can go on to the legeinfo.ca.gov site. And I also want you to call the author of the bill, and that's Wendy Carrillo right here in Los Angeles. Her district office is over there on Sunset. That's Assemblywoman Wendy Carrillo, and her number is 213, I have it in my phone, 213-483-5252. And here's what you can ask Wendy. Why why are you taking away these protective guardrails that protect children and families? Why are you amending Family Code 6924? Just say that. See what she says. And, and what good does it do? I, I, I have a lot of callers who will say that. Well, what good mm-hmm. does it do? You know what we find is that, and we heard this in the AB 957 hearing, we actually heard they are getting calls and it's making a difference. Number one, they hear that you're noticing what they're doing. They're they're not doing it in the dark. Number two, they hear your concern and they hear the education. This is what we heard about people objecting to 957. Number one, where's the religious element? Religious families cannot and will not affirm, right, gender Mm -hmm. transition. It's religiously discriminatory right there. That's right. And on this bill, where's the parents' rights? Why are you invading parents' rights? We see that invasion of parents' rights. And on this one in particular, if they th- say they want medical coverage for low-income kids for counseling, why aren't you doing it the easy way and going through medical? Why are you taking away rights in this other important family code? They hear these things, and it registers with them. And we heard them ask for amendments 
for AB 957 from Lori Wilson, echoing the very things that we had been instructing our listeners, please tell them this is a concern. I think that people um, are so cynical now in the politics that they just think that our representatives don't care. And maybe they don't care, but they do want to get reelected. I was going to say they care about they, those votes. They care about that. <laughs> they sure do. And I, th- I just think that that matters. They may not care about what you think for your kids, but they do care about having power and holding on to it. Politicians for ever have been there. And that's one of the blessings of our system, that we as the people actually hold the power, but we have to take it. We have to not just give it, we don't have to cede it even to our political party. We are the people who should do this. And as parents, the time is now. Can people call into the hearing tomorrow? Yes, I was going to say that's another great idea. Um, I don't have the hearing number with me. I should. There's a specific call-in number. And when you call in, you're basically getting like on a Zoom call. And that number is available on the legislative website at the Senate Judiciary Committee. And it'll say, here's a call-in number and here's a code. And you just listen on hold. You can hear the, the hearing going on. And then the operator will tell you, uh, okay, now it's time for public testimony. And you basically, you hit like a one in order to have your line open. And all you say is, all they allow you to say is basically name, rank, serial number. You say, Jennifer Kennedy, Pasadena, I oppose this bill. And they call that Me Too testimony. And I think that helps because I feel like we say, you know, call your state senator or somebody and people feel like, well, I don't know how to make this argument. And, you know, or we have too much of an argument. We like, but it's just, you're not even allowed to. You're not even allowed to. So they don't even want to hear you. To, That's right. And nope. They don't want to hear you. They just want to hear that you're opposed. Yes. And what they do is they, they will cut you off, not you. They'll cut it off at about 15 minutes. It's so not fair. This isn't public comment. But they cut it off. And so as many people ha- who can get through on the line as possible is great. So we like to fill those phone lines just like we like to fill the seats in the gallery. All right. So we're talking about the California Senate Judiciary Committee. Don't do the uh, federal one in Washington, D.C. If you see a Diane Feinstein on the list, it's the wrong. You're in the wrong place. <laughs> You're in the wrong place. All right. It is the state uh, legislature. Uh, Jennifer, there's so much more we can talk about with this, but a big part of it today is to really help people be informed that this isn't crazy talk. This is really happening. There are examples, and it is connected to so many different things that are going on in our world today with with government schools and There is an agenda here. We kept asking the why. You know, it's another philosophical question we can get to another time. But why? Why are Uh, they doing it? Why are they coming after the kids? They're coming after the kids. And uh, the time is up to sit on the sidelines, everybody, uh, as much as you can. Jennifer, thank you for being with me today on the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you. Always good to have you. We'll have you on again. And good luck tomorrow with uh, all of that. You going to Sacramento or are you staying here? Uh, Let me tell you this. I have a ticket, but I might be staying here so that I can manage down here while what's happening and and knowing what's going on up there. So I want to go, but we'll see. Maybe sometime we should have a phone bank where people yes. can come. You don't even have to. People have cell phones, right? So you don't have to get all the cables and all the That's stuff that right. we you did don't. in the old days. That would be great. With all of that. All right, Jennifer, thank you for being with me on Thanks, the Pastor Scott. Scott Show. This is the Pastor Scott Show. Number is 888-528-2557. And we'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. By the way, if you've been listening, we had Jennifer Kennedy on, and I wanted to give you the number for the call-in tomorrow that will oppose AB 665. 
once in a while, we will take a look at some bills that are being passed that I think hurt kids and they hurt parents and there's certainly agenda. And this is not a left and right thing. Okay, there are Democrats and Republicans who are opposing this bill. The way you do it, what I find interesting is our participation in these hearings. There's a Senate Judiciary uh, Committee in Sacramento, not Washington. This is a Sacramento bill. Um, talking about AB 665, which what it does is it it gives a lot more authority to your 12-year-old to essentially emancipate themselves from you if you refuse to cert- to uh, give them certain medical treatments on all kinds of different things. So, you know, what hits the news more often is the uh, gender-affirming care and those kinds of things. But it can be abortion. It can be other mental health. It can be just your kid's mad at you and goes to the school counselor and makes a claim. And now what happens is the state has the right to take your kid and put them in uh, state housing and uh, it will make it complicated. She used the word extract to get your kid out, that you will have to fight to extract your kid, like extract your kid from a wrecked automobile or the jaws of a you know an alligator or something. And that's it. So the way this works is the public participation line is this. It's 877-226-8216. And the access code is 6217161. Again, that number is 877-226-8216. And the access code is 6217161. And get the podcast if you didn't catch that, then you can uh, hear me say that again. It's at 1.30, and all you do is you call in, and you don't have to give an argument. They'll just say, state your name and state your position, and you say, oppose the bill. And, you know, I do think that what it does is it gives more and more people in Sacramento the idea that the people are paying attention. And I think that matters a lot. I think that matters a lot. So uh, hopefully that's helpful to you. And I hope that you do uh, call in because the more people who do, uh, we were successful with the trafficking one a couple of months ago with many people calling in and changing the direction of things in Sacramento. Don't give up. I think the time now is to fight it out. You know, today is a day that is now a national holiday. It's called Juneteenth, and it's probably not something that most people in California know much about because California hasn't really celebrated it. You might have in your community, particularly if you're black, and maybe you've celebrated that here in California, but it's not it's not been a California thing. In fact, it's now a federal holiday, but it's not a state holiday interestingly enough, in California. But it was a state holiday in Texas for 40 years and several other states. And I want to say a couple of things about it because it is so much about freedom. And it's something that I didn't know about. Uh, I knew about the story. I didn't realize there was a holiday to go along with it a few years ago. You know, and with anything these days, when it comes to a conversation about race, it gets complicated and people shy away. They don't want to talk about it. But this holiday has a a long story. It's not CRT, by the way. It's not critical race theory. There might be people who are down that path who are trying to change it. But this is history. This occurred. And it's been celebrated for a long time in the United States and viewed for what it is. It can be a positive thing for everybody. It's a celebration of freedom and a celebration of becoming a more perfect union. Not not a perfect union. We're not a perfect union. We've never been a perfect union. We're never going to be a perfect union. But we are a u- union that can get better. And this is an optimistic holiday. I always like things that are optimistic. I think it matters. I think we're lacking optimism so much in our society today because there's crazy stuff going on and actually nutty things. You know, optimism is not the denying of a reality or a struggle. 
Optimism is the belief that we can keep moving forward and we can get it right even through that struggle. And even when we make it more complicated, which we tend to do today. And one of the reasons we have the holiday is because of a woman named Opal Lee. She's 96 and she is the grandmother of Juneteenth. She loves Jesus. She's got a great story about it. Here's her talking about the history of Juneteenth. And oh, was that a day to be remembered? So you see, the general read this paper he had. It was called General Number Three. And on said, All slaves are free. Then he nailed that to what's now Reedy Chapel, African Methodist Episcopal Church. And when the people came in from work and somebody read that to them, we started celebrating and we've been celebrating ever since. So what happened is at the end of the Civil War, the Emancipation Proclamation was 1863, but some people didn't get the message. Some slaves didn't get the message for a couple of years. And in some cases, it's because their slave owners just didn't tell them. And the communities they were in, you know, didn't get that word out. In other cases, it's 1860, you know, three, four, five, and we're in the middle of a war and they don't have the Internet. You know, there's no nightly news. News traveled slowly sometimes in the Old West. Well, eventually, the in Texas, General Order Number 3, Union soldiers, after the war was over, went from town to town informing people that slavery was no more, that the South had lost the war, the Confederacy was over, and that slave owners needed to free their slaves. And General Order Number 3 says this, it says, the people are informed that in accordance with a, with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves, and the connection heretofore existing between them become that between employer and hired labor. The freed are advised to remain at their present homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere. And so this General Order Number 3 was read in 1865 in Texas, and people celebrated. And it became a holiday. It became something that people celebrated year after year. It was very localized for a while. It spread to many other communities as slavery was ended. And obviously there were still more problems. And, you know, it's something that historians often think, I tend to agree, that if Lincoln was not assassinated, we would have dealt with a lot more uh, racial discrimination uh, right after the war than than we did. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the way of history, and there's been other other problems. But the thing is, is that this is an American story of becoming a more perfect union. It's a story of the abolitionists winning the argument of the of what happened after a horrible war, but a war that was the result of a horrible policy of slavery that went against our Declaration of Independence, that went against the ideals that this country was founded on, and it was obviously against those things. And it is worth the celebration. you know. And I think that Christians and people on all sides of the political aisle should take a look at this day, and people might argue about whether or not it should be a day off. I mean, we don't take a lot of other days off that are holidays. It's fine. You do something, but don't denigrate the day. It's a great day. Don't turn it into something political left versus right. It's an important day in our, our history. Opal Lee, uh, she talks about the celebration of it here. Let's have a breakfast of prayer, and we do. Now, that's not to be confused with a prayer breakfast. And the programs 
as the young people would say, they're off the chain. Mm -hmm. They're beautiful. There's so much that people need to learn. And I advocate that we celebrate from the 19th of June to the 4th of July. Now, that <laughs> would be... That would be celebrating freedom. What do you think of that? That's Opal Lee, who is known as the grandmother of uh, Juneteenth. It's great to hear her talk. That was an interview last year. She's still at it. She walks. She goes on several different walks related to this in her way of celebrating it. And, uh, you know, I know that there's some news of some Juneteenth events where there was some violence and other stuff, but I think that those were probably not really Juneteenth events. It was a barbecue or, you know, get together, a party that people were having. Maybe that was the banner, but, you know, we're, we've seen some terrible things happen. But regardless of those stories that hit the news, it's now a national holiday. It's something that will be on your calendar every year. And don't turn it into something political. That would be my advice. Take a look at the story. Take a look at the history of it. It's real. It's a positive story, and it's optimistic. You know, we had an hour today where we talked about some really hard things happening in our state, going after parents, going after kids, and some difficult things. But, you know, something that we still have the ability to do is to win the argument, even if there's a lot of difficulty in between, and to stand up against things that are that are wrong. And that's something that today can be about. And at the end of the day, maybe we won't be successful in the long run, but our faith as Christians, we know that we're successful in the long, long run, that Jesus wins, that all evil is defeated, that no matter what happens, no matter the course of our nation, no matter the course of our lives, Jesus is still on the throne. And he's not looking down confused at the confusing times we live in. He knows why we're here. He knows what sin is doing to us, that he knows that everything that sin touches dies. And he knows that there was a great price paid for it because he paid it with his own life. And it's violent. What happened to Jesus on the cross was violent and terrible. And it was an innocent man being executed and going through all of that. And yet there's a part of the story that matters so much. And it's that 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 unjust event turns out to be the greatest thing that ever happened, because through that, our sins are paid for. Through that, whoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. And we're freed from the slavery and the tyranny of sin free to have everlasting life forever with our God. And throughout the scripture, you see stories of freedom and the freedom from that. And that's what Jesus provided. And that's going to happen no matter what. I hope that encourages you today. Be encouraged. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back tomorrow uh, from three to five. Don't miss tomorrow. We'll talk about great opportunities with our half-price tuition here at KKLA. God bless. See you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.